Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that Windaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. Windaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of Windaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation! We are back. And we are back. 2023 is on its way. Big draft cast tonight. We got the usual gang. Seeing the Jad, Spencer, Aguiar. We have David in the chat as normal. But a special guest joining us tonight, Jason Sobel of the Action Network. Jason, thanks for joining us tonight. How you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be back with you guys. Appreciate you having me on. I don't know that the Sony Open is the easiest week to be on and make it a team for this. So I, I feel like you, you're already setting me up for, uh, for failure here because I don't know that this is one where I'm like, all right, I've got my six guys. I got to get these guys. It's pretty wide open this week, but I love doing this with you guys and I appreciate you having me back on. Uh, we thank you for joining. And I think it's a really good point you made. This is an especially hard week to do a draft because the obvious thing you want to do for drafting purposes on DraftKings is do a stars and scrubs approach, right? There's a few guys at the top that everyone's going to like. Uh, but the problem with that is there are very few scrubs that are viable this week. So when we all get the stars, we're going to be scrambling to fill out our rosters, which is going to make this show really fun. I can – I have a crystal ball, and I can tell you there is going to be a moment tonight where Spencer is scrambling because somebody <laughs> took his pick and he doesn't know what to do. I'm looking forward to it. See, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. And Jason, you're right. We, we know how good you are, how well-versed you are. So we set you up for the Sony Open specifically so that we could possibly maybe look a little bit better. I'm really excited. I got to be honest, Jason, I, I love primetime golf. I love that this is set in Hawaii where, you know, wh whether you're working or whatever, like we have golf like going into the night. I'm, I'm like, we're only going to get so much of that, right? So I'm actually really, really excited about this. It's so much fun. I love when the year starts out with these two Hawaii events. I, I think we have to enjoy it while we can. It might not be around forever. I'm just hint, hint, little subtleties there of Breaking things news. that I'm hearing, but um, enjoy it while we can enjoy it. And I, I agree with you. It's great for, especially those in cold weather climates, you're sitting there, there's a foot and a half of snow out on the ground and it's 20 degrees. And you're like, man, I can watch these guys playing in Hawaii. I've covered uh, both the Century and the Sony Open about six or seven times before. It's been a couple of years since the last time I did it, but there's no better two-week swing to cover on the PGA Tour. People are always like, what are your favorite events? Is it the U.S. Open? I'm like, 156 guys. They start at 7 a.m. They finish at 8.30 at night. There's a lot of work to do. I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not like I wouldn't want to be there, but not my favorite week. This, this. I'm telling you, when you get to go out to Hawaii and cover these events and you get to just kind of hang out in the atmosphere, I'll take that every single time. Yeah, that doesn't sound so bad. That's, uh, that's pretty fair. How about you, Spence? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. So two things before we get started. 
first off, see, that's the quickest shirt change I've ever seen before. Been practicing. Thank yeah, you. I mean, I was watching you the whole time. I didn't even see you do it. <laughs> Second thing to that, I just got off air with Roberto Arguayo, who I know Jason Sobel does a lot of work with for Action Network. And I've been doing my research for who Jason's going to take so well. Yes, I don't want people to steal my picks. I kind of know where Jason's going this week. So I, I already, I think I know who he's going first and hopefully I'm going to be able to work around it from there. So you've already stolen my pick to begin with, but we'll make it work. Okay. You know where I'm going first already, Spencer. Do you like where I'm going? So you can do a little reverse psychology on me here. If you can tell me, I know where you're going and I don't like it. So I hope you go there. You might talk me out of it. <laughs> then you can take my guy. I'm I'm a little bit worried that everybody seems to be going in this direction, but he's the number yeah. one player in my model for ball striking. So that's a positive. Okay. Real quick, before we get to the course breakdown, this happened before Jason with the reverse psychology and it forced Spencer into a spot where no joke, he drafted Spencer, finish my sentence. I, I, so I had the number one pick in the draft and it was at the rocket mortgage and Sung you'll know was $6,000. He was stone min priced. I, uh, I took him first overall in this draft. He missed the cut. That's, <laughs> yeah. Whoops. That, that's when you guys know you're overthinking everything way too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, to help us not overthink it, Spencer does give the best course breakdown you will find in the industry. It is huge. If you're preparing for a week to understand what makes this course unique, to help you kind of pick the guys that might have an edge this week. Spence, please enlighten us. What are you looking for on the course this week? So Wildlife Country Club has seen a few modifications over the last 100 years, including a 2016 renovation by Tom Doak to restore the original field back to the layout. All of that radiates out of the course with its flat, tedious setup that emphasizes par four scoring and ball striking. But it's important to remember that while we will be staying in Hawaii for the second consecutive week, we aren't dealing with a venue that has too many similarities when we bypass the resemblance of ease. And the Bermuda-style nature of the grounds. Sure, you can maybe talk about the trade winds of Hawaii if you want to add a third thing into the mix here. But I'm not seeing like the two years ago or three years ago, I guess it'd be three years ago now, when Justin Thomas and Cameron Smith won the century and the Sony Open. Like, I'm not going to necessarily incorporate wind completely into my model, but fairways are much more challenging to hit here, which is why we will experience a 21% decrease from what we encountered last weekend. And then that factor mixed with the predictability I'll get to in a second in other areas has helped to make this course the second highest in terms of rollover success on tour. We see some of that consistency come into play with the emphasized proximity distribution out of YLI from 125 to 200 yards, a range that creates 12.7% more impact here than a typical test. And the 67.5% expectation from that 75-yard bucket helps to construct this unique examination that pinpoints a very specific sort of golfer. Essentially, if you aren't finding greens and regulation, which I guess hint, hint to Jason's pick, like he's the number one ball striker in the field that Jason's going to take, it's probably a good thing. You're going to struggle to score, though, if you're not finding greens and regulation. And this is one of those shorter venues that flips that new school moniker of distance over accuracy on its head by generating nearly two times more impact in finding fairways versus length. If you want to see more of that and anything else that I weighed this week, you can follow me on Twitter at TL Sports and sign up to my model, but it's a very unique course that does typically take some getting used to to find success. It doesn't mean I would remove anyone who hasn't played here before, but it is a secondary factor that I use to try to at least create a tiebreaker when there was a close decision to be made. I love it. I love it. Super helpful. Thanks for that, Spence. 
Um, we can use that to transition right into the draft. I will give a quick overview of how it all works. So team audience, for tonight, you will be teamed up with Sia and David in the chat, working together. Uh, you will have two picks in a row as you'll be going fourth. The order for this evening as I pull the draft board up now um, is going to be me going first because I won last week, actually still undefeated in 2023 as I am 1-0, uh, followed by Jason going second, Spencer going third, and then on the hook, it will be Sia and the audience going twice back around. Um, for the audience, with as you're working with Sia, it's a little different this week. You just put your nominations in, and then Sia will make the final selection. You have to stay within your DraftKings salaries, as always. So it's not just picking all the best players, but the best players that you could afford in a regular DraftKings lineup. Any rules that I'm forgetting, or should we get this thing going? Let's get this thing going. Let's all go. Right. Well, I graciously gave myself the first pick, which, if you look back historically, I rarely ever do. I'm usually happy to go fourth. Uh, but tonight, I want the first pick because there's somebody I really want, and it's Chalky. I'm going to eat the chalk. In my opinion, there's one guy who is the best player in the field, and I want him on my team, and that's Tom Kipp. Um, you know, at a ball striker's course, he's going to, I think, find a lot of fairways with his accuracy off the tee. Um, and he does everything well. We've seen him continue to play well. And we've said already, who knows what the ceiling is on this time, Kim? We could be talking about him as a top five, three player on tour by the end of the year. He's shown that thus far. So I'm going to lean in at 10-5, which could still be a discount based on what we've seen thus far. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that outside of the, the chalk standpoint, right, Spencer? But let me ask you this. What is, what is the early projection showing us? I see ownership. 20 I see 23%. That does rank him number one in my model this week. Um, I'm going to save part of my answer for when I make my pick because I'm going to try to do a corollary between both of those two players there. Uh, but I'll let Jason take us along and make the second pick here. Yeah, so guys, I have no problem with Tom Kim this week. I think he's a guy that's going to he's gonna spike on certain weeks. This certainly could be one of those weeks. I like him on shorter golf courses. Uh, this one... Uh, TPC River Highlands for the Travelers, uh, Hilton Head for the RBC Heritage or a couple others that I've targeted him for at some point later this year. So I can certainly see it this week. Again, he's just a little too chalky for me. Feels like there's a, a few too many people on. That said, I'm about to take a guy who might be chalkier than everybody this week. Once Spencer already alluded to it, I can't leave him out there and not take him. It, that makes for bad programming here on the show. So I'll go with my guy, Corey Connors. A couple of trends here. First of all, we all know about the trend of guys who play the century the week before and then play the Sony the week after. I went back six years. Over the last six years, 15.9% of the Sony field has been made up of century players. And yet they comprise 39% of the play, thirty-nine of the players who finish inside the top 10, five of the last six winners. Then there's a trend that of the top last three years, the 70 players who have finished top 20 in ties at the Sony, 69 of them have been positive strokes gained T to green. Essentially, if you show up here with some rust on the driver, some rust on the irons, you've got zero chance of even coming close to contending. And then I get into a Corey Connors trend here. Guys, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I have pigeonholed Corey as essentially a one-trick pony. Now, it's a good trick to have but one of the best iron players in the world somewhere after the trio of Morikawa, Thomas and Zalatoris comes Corey Connors. And yet, and you go look back at his stats from last year, 
Corey Connors was actually better with a driver in his hand compared to the field average than he was with the irons. And so uh, what that tells me is that Corey Connors is becoming a more complete player. He's not just a guy that hits good iron shots. I'll take him to the green. Oh, by the way, top 12 the last three years. I like that as well. Let me just say, Jason, I, I do love that pick. He is my, for the first cut pod, he is my one and done pick this week. Yeah, I, I like it. I just want to add to what Jason said too. And, and look, I'm not expecting Corey Connors to necessarily to continue to, to gain strokes with his putter, but he's averaged 3.5 shots of the field per start at the Sony Open with that flat stick in four attempts. If you're telling me that he's going to potentially make putts and we know he's one of the best ball strikers in the world, that's how you win a golf tournament for him. Mm-hmm. I like it. Spencer, it's on you, buddy. All right. So with you guys both going there, and I think that that's they're both very acceptable plays, it does put me in a bit of a bind. And, and so one of the reasons why I'm taking the golfer that I am going to select, and it's the direct comparison that I want to make with Tom Kim here. I'm going to take Sung JM at 10,300. And part of it's going to come down to, I think I can get a reduction in ownership. I see about four or 5% difference from what I have with Tom Kim in my model. The second part of that equation comes down to, yes, Tom Kim is great. He might end up being the best player in the world. My model is right now telling me that he's 3% better in GIR percentage than the rest of this field. That's not correct. I mean, like the best player in the world is not going to be 3% better than the second person in any given tournament. So there's going to be regression at some point that has to take place. I'm not saying that Tom Kim necessarily regresses to a player that's outside the top 10, but he's not going to be 3% better. So if I believe that there's regression to the mean that's going to occur, and then I compare him to Sung JM, there's only a very minor advantage that I currently have with Tom Kim in my model when I run this from an upside and statistical perspective. So we know what Sung JM is, is at this point of his career. He's a golfer that's going to be a good ball striker. He's going to have, you know, I would think a Bermuda course probably benefits him more than probably any other tournament in these short accuracy venues where he can use his total driving. Those are really good recipes for success for him. Now, I know he hasn't necessarily had the success at this event that I would want, but we're also guessing that Tom Kim is going to have that success, which we haven't seen yet. So I'm fine starting builds with Sung JM. He's probably the number one player that I'm putting into my model. Um, second for me would be Corey Connors based off of him ranking second. And then Tom Kim is probably third just because he's so popular. But like, to me, those are the three obvious names at the top. And then the board kind of gets interesting from there. Yeah, I, I like the pick. Obviously, if Sungjae had lasted to the fourth pick, I think uh, me and David and I see uh, Steven Sicily Kid is in the chat as well. And the audience, uh, I think Sungjae M would have been the first name that was typed there. You know, we've got a lot of nominations, a lot of people watching, by the way. So thank you, everybody, for that. They're obviously just here for Jason, but no offense taken. Hit the like button for Jason, if not for us. Hit the like button. How about that? Um, David wants to take Andrew Putnam. I know Cicely Kid wants to take Andrew Putnam. Uh, Putnam's a guy I mentioned on a show yesterday. I don't really have a problem taking Andrew Putnam here. Um, there's a, really a lot of reasons to like him, but the, the accuracy is there. The approach play is there. The history is there. Uh, the, the hot putter is there. So Putnam makes a lot of sense. Now, it looks like Hoagie's picking up some steam here as well. And I see Byron, Model Maniac, has nominated him, among others. Dave, I guess we can do Hoagie. Listen, the approach play has been awesome. Wedge play is going to be important here. That He's, he's great there. 
Um, coming in with good form, a little bit of a checkered history here, some good finishes, some bad finishes, but I think this is kind of a new Tom Hoagie. I don't really have a problem with it. For some reason, I have this bad feeling about Tom Hoagie this week, and I, I don't really, I can't put my finger on it. So I'm fine rolling out Tom Hoagie and Andrew Putnam for our first two picks. See, so yeah, I will point out, I like Putnam a lot. He was one of the guys I drafted in that season-long fantasy draft. We did this past weekend. I think he's going to be really good this year. You might be a week early on Putnam. I, I love him in the desert at the Amex next week. Excellent. That's good to know. Okay. Uh, real quick, uh, what was your team name? The, the one that Rick Gaiman organized? Everybody flew out to Vegas. I know you had the plane issues, but which one was your team on that one? I am the second team on the list, the Orlando Kingsmen. Oh, you're the Kingsman. Oh, good. Yes. Okay, so so we're going to be best buds right now because, you know, there, there was a tweet that went out, like, who's your favorite I team? Know. And my favorite was the Kingsman and the Jabronis. So I, And I've got to give you a shout out. See, you're, I, trust me, I look at everything. I don't respond to a whole lot, but I'm looking at everything on Twitter, especially a day like today. I'm in front of my laptop the entire day. You are the only one. There were a thousand people that responded with, I like this team. I like that team. You're the only one that's running with the Kingsman this year. So when we win the title, shout out to you because you're the only one with us. Let's go. I'm the team mascot. We just made it official. Um, Spencer, it's on you for your second pick after Sung JM. Well, if I was going to take somebody's opinion and value it, I think Sia would be the person there. So you're in good company if Sia Thank thinks you. that you're the likely person to win. But uh, I'm going to drop down a little bit on the board. There's a golfer that opened at... DraftKings and a couple other books in the space at 200 to one. And that number has plummeted down to 80, 90 or hundred to one at most locations at the time of us recording this show. And that would be Grayson Sig at 7,300. Look, I see about 10% on him right now. I love the ball striking returns that I have. He's 28th in my model for GIR percentage. He's 23rd for ball striking in general. I think he has this really flat makeup in my in the way that I built my model this week to where it leads me to believe that there's a safer floor than a $7,300 price tag. And you really don't have to look any further than what he's provided recently for that to kind of come to fruition here. So I'll run through everything I have over the last 10 weeks of actual play in my tournament, but a 51st at the Fortinet, a 9th at the Sanderson, yes, weaker tournament, but that's fine. A 44th at the Shriners, an 11th at the Bermuda, once again, a weaker tournament, a 42nd at Mayakoba, and a 15th at the RSM. I don't see a reason why he can't continue this trend at this tournament this week. I think this is a really good setup for him to find success. And when we're like, I'm in a spot now where I've started with Sungjae. I have to try to find a way to find value down underneath. And I think that this is the easiest path for me to keep everything open. So I don't run into a position to where I kind of like pigeonhole myself into a corner here. All right. I think that's yeah. a great pick. Grayson Sig like is definitely it. a guy that I'm like a, from, from people I trust in the industry. He's definitely a guy that's, that's picking up some steam. So Spencer, if you're on him too, uh, a pretty good sign, Jason, it's back to you for your second pick. Yeah, so Sig is, to me, a poor man's Kevin Kisner. Um, basically a guy who doesn't drive it a long way, doesn't make everything, but he just sort of digs out of the dirt. He kind of grinds the bulldog, uh, literally a Georgia bulldog. Those guys should be in good spirits this week. All right, before I go, a question for you guys. I think I know the answer to this, but I don't got to beat everybody. I just got to beat you three, right? Yeah, that's right. Essentially, we're playing a cash game. Basically. I mean, so the, it's, it's a good point. Like the original idea was to 
the cool thing is with this setup is that it's almost impossible to draft a fully chalky team because yeah. you're, you're going to have like Tom, you can't draft, we can't both draft Tom Kim, right? Or Sun JM. So the cool thing is a lot of these end up being tournament viable because of that. But in this case, yeah, you're trying to beat us three for sure. All right. Then I'm going to go with a guy who has a very high floor. I, I've likened him to this generation's Charles Howell III. I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment. He shows up every single week. I'm not sure he quite has the ceiling that we would like to see yet, but the floor is really, really high. He plays some of his best golf on shorter golf courses, Maverick McNeely. Oh, yeah. I, you, know, you know what's so interesting about him? Uh, he's going to come up later in the show. So for everybody that doesn't know, our outrights from here on out, we're going to put those in the Win Daily Discord. But Jason, just so you know, at the end of this show, what we always do is give out our first round leaders. And spoiler Ooh. alert, I'm a little, a little tentative to play him in DFS. I don't think I should be, especially after Jason's endorsement. I'm probably going to play him a little bit, flat out score, right, Jason? But in the yeah. first round leader market, he has my interest as well. So uh, I, I, I absolutely love that pick. Uh, Joel, any thoughts on Maverick McNeely this week? Yeah, I think for the reasons you said, McNeely's someone I'm going to be on this week. Um, it's the course type, right? These are the types of course where he rises, and it's typically these fields where you know he might at first look seem overpriced, but then when you look at who the rest of the field is, right, it's actually pretty accurately priced, and I can see him getting there with the top time even because of the, the, the strength of the field. Joel, it's on you. You got back-to-back picks. Are you ready, or do you, do you need us to stall for you? Because I, I could I could lob a question over to Jason, ungolf related. Go ahead, lob a question out. Okay, on, what you got, Jason? Favorite movie all time? Ooh, um, gosh, I haven't been asked that question in an awful long time. Goodfellas, Solid. um, probably right near the top of the list. Yeah, uh, you know, some sort of older mafia type movie. Yeah, I, I mean, that's sort of the go-to. Um, Boy, it caught me off guard. I literally, it's one of those deals where, like, years ago, I could have given you my top twenty list, one through twenty, yeah. and I just haven't thought about it in so long. That's probably right up there. Well, one more question before Joel drops two back to back golfers on us. Rank this is more important. Rank the following candy bars: Twix, huh? Snickers, Reese's peanut butter cups. They're all dead last. You see, here here's the secret for me. I'm sitting here with the gummy stashed right below the desk. Chocolate, I can I can do. I'm okay with chocolate. They're all fine. If I'm really in a fix, I'll I'll have something. But it's for me, it's all like the the sweet soury candies like that. I'm all over them. How dare you? And the answer is Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups, Snickers, and then Twix. But they're all good. Yeah. So it's not yeah. a slight. Uh, it's, it's not fine. a backhanded compliment to Twix. It's fine. Uh, I don't know. So. Those look here. delicious, Joel. <laughs> speaking of delicious, oh, do you have perfect. two delicious picks for us? I do. I'm ready to rock. Uh, with my first pick, I'm going to go ahead and take Gary Woodland. Um, Gary Woodland, I like his price here in this tournament where he has a good course history. And I think this was mentioned already, but if not, this is a course that ranks as, I think, the second highest, if not one of the top courses in terms of course history, right? Guys who've done well here in the past tend to do well here. Uh, and he has a great course history. If you look back, Gary Woodland's last five appearances, I mean, last it was the last appearance was in 2019. So it was a few years ago where he was 80th. But then before that, he had 7th, 6th, 13th, and 3rd. So there is the argument that can be made that he was a better golfer back then, which is fair. But I think more recently, we've seen his ball striking improve, where in the last time we saw him back in November, he gained five strokes on approach. He's been getting a ton of strokes on his driver. If he still has some of that ball striking here this week in this field, I think 7,600 is a good price for what you're getting out of Gabby Woodland. 
And I'm going to go ahead and follow him up with Keith Mitchell as much as I can. Uh, it's a lot of the same reasons. Like Keith Mitchell has shown that he's he's had some success here on this course um, with a tie for seventh last year, tied for 14th in, in 2021. Uh, but not only that, he's going to be accurate with his driver. And um, I think David even said earlier in, on, on Twitter and talking about this tournament that the rough has grown out where we're looking at three-inch rough, which could be a lot more challenging than normal. And if these guys are going to be a bigger priority on finding fairways, that should be a strength of his. Well, he'll be in the fairway, and I think it should help him compete. Where I can, in my, my big turn, my longer draft strategy, as much as I can, is to not have to dip into the 6K range. So if I can get balanced with the most expensive golfer here, with some guys I believe in, uh, I like that strategy. Uh, the interesting picks. I think I think from a GPP standpoint, both of those make plenty of sense, especially to, and, and I don't know the ownership for those two guys, but I can't imagine it's particularly high. And it's a nice offset from Tom Kim, who we know is going to be quite high. By the way, I know we keep disparaging the 6K range. I feel like not only basking in it, but living in it this week, which of course means my GPP return is going to be $0. But I think there are some names in the 6K range. So I just want my team, team audience, team David Bileski, I want that team, uh, team Sicily Kid, to, you know, don't be scared of the 6K range if we have to go there. I don't think we have to go there, but if we do, I'm totally cool with it. By the way, Michael Raziel has made an appearance in the chat, which is super, super cool. Um, Jason, it is back to you. Do you have any comments about Gary Woodland or Keith Mitchell? Any of those kind of, any of those two guys kind of in your frame of mind here for this term? Well, they correlate to each other very nicely. Two of the better drivers of the golf ball. I haven't heard much Woodland talk. There are some people on Mitchell. Mitchell's a guy that I, I essentially I, I'm on almost every single week. I just think the guy is much better than he's given credit for. He's uh, undervalued in the marketplace, both in the betting market space and in DFS. So I, I like Mitchell every single week. He tees it up, quite frankly. There are some correlations, by the way, speaking of which, from YLI to PGA National, which hosts the Honda Classic. He won that one a few years ago. So I uh, have heard some Mitchell talk, and I like it. And I one thing to add to that, this might just be the week of the Georgia Bulldog, and if that's the case, another Georgia Bulldog. I, I will say I've put together lineups already with six Georgia Bulldogs, which I'm sure other people have too. Yeah, we are not hesitant to take a stroll down Narrative Street. So I, yeah. I absolutely endorse that. Uh, Jason, your third round pick is, after Corey Connors and Maverick McNeely is? I'm going to start off with another question before I give you an answer because at Action Network, we do our best bets every single week and we uh, list players as far as our, our favorite, favorite that we're going after, our favorite long shot. My favorite long shot this week, he's really not much of a long shot. He's more of a mid-tier type play. But he also shows up later in the best bets file as Spencer's least favorite play on the board. And I've got to ask him, what do you not like about Kurt Kitayama that I'm not seeing? There's a couple things. Like when we look at course history here and it means something for this tournament, he obviously missed the cut the last time he played it. And that's not the reason why I'm not taking him. It's a one-off example here. But 113th in my model and strokes gain total at easy courses and that are also under 7,200 yards. Also not the be all end all of a reason of why I wouldn't take somebody, but more of the issues that I come into play with this is he's 58th in my model and weighted birdie or better percentage. That is completely correlated for this course. So this is taking all the examples of the holes that we're going to be playing this week. And he's 58th when we run it out that way. He's 91st in my model with putting from five to 10 feet. He is 111th for driving accuracy. That is probably the killer of what really pushed him down my model. 
look, I mean, you can make an argument that there's different ways to play this course and the rough is going to be, you know, probably three inches versus two and a half last year. And I'm not saying that that's like the only way, like you can club down and you can find ways to go about it. But if you're not hitting greens in regulation, I have a problem with you at this tournament because I think you're going to have trouble scoring. So 63rd in my modeling GR percentage, 86th in ball striking. The one positive that we can throw to that, if we're trying to find a reason for why he would find success, 22nd in my model with proximity from 125 to 200 yards. So if that part of his game can be honed in, sure, he can make a run at this tournament. But I'm afraid that the accuracy is so bad that he potentially runs himself in the other direction here to where like the miscut equity is higher than a lot of people would like to admit. All right. Can I, I ask a I quick like question? That. Yes, please. Um, before we get to Spencer's pick, we're on Spencer's pick, right? Um, or my pick. Yes or no? I'm not going to let anybody sort of couch this in any terms. You, you can say yes or you can say no. And Joel, I'm going to start with you, then I'm going to go to Jason, and then I'm going to go to Spencer. Joel, is, is this a team no-putt event, yes or no? No. Jason? Yeah, it's pretty close. Spencer? I would probably give the same answer as Jason here. There's a lot of players I like. That would be Kings. I mean, maybe not Kyle Stanley level King of team, no putt, but they're right up there. So I'm going to say, yeah. So, so what, that's the thing. What it is, ahead, guys. So say, I was just going to say what it is. It's one of those weeks where you don't have to be a good, but I'm not targeting guys who are really good putters, but you better turn it on a little bit this week. You, you better be a, a guy who's a good ball striker that just happens to make some this week. If, if that makes sense. If you look at what we've seen over the last Hideki. few years, Hideki is the perfect example of, Hey, he's not a good butter. He putted well here. He wins. Well, yeah. Corey Connors is another good example of that. I mean, there was even last, yes. last year, Lucas Glover was a positive putter, albeit like, you know, point two strokes, but Lucas Glover, like that's like the Kyle Stanley mold. So I do think there's some evidence here beyond just those two guys that you can, I'm not targeting bad putters, obviously, but that you can take a guy that you ordinarily wouldn't take who, because you know, he's a bad putter. I think this is a potentially a team no putt week, but uh, we're on Spencer, right? Spencer, what's the, I, I don't think Jason actually made a pick there. Oh, my I bad. Did not make a pick. No. My bad, Jason. Okay. Sorry. No, I let Spencer talk me out of my pick. I might come back to Kitayama, but that was a whole lot of insight onto as to why he may not play well this week. And so I'm going to go to a guy that basically fits my first trend, which is have a guy that played last week, even if he didn't play well. And my guy did not play well last week, but he's played well here in the past. In fact, he shot a 61 here in the first round a couple of years ago. Adam Svensson at 7,500. That's who I was going to take next pick. <laughs> that is 100% who I was going to take. I actually wanted to take him with one of my top two picks. I love him in a bounce back spot from last week. Love the history here. Jason, like you said, certainly a great course fit. I don't want to steal any more words out of your mouth, but I, this, this is one of my favorite picks of the tournament. Yeah, I, I think so. And again, I'm looking at players who played last week. You don't necessarily have to play well at Kapalua and have that translate to Sony. You just have to play. Just shake the cobwebs off. That's what we're looking for. Uh, I believe Hideki last year, if you look at him, he, he was outside the top 20, I believe, at Kapalua or close to it, and then goes to uh, the Sony and plays really well. So it's just a matter of like getting some reps in, playing some golf, which a lot of the guys in the field this week haven't done yet. I love it. Spencer, so by the way, that's why I wanted to skip your pick, Jason, because I had a feeling <laughs> you were going to take one of team audience's picks, and you certainly did. Spencer, uh, it is now on you. 
To answer Ivan's question that he just posed, I'm not taking anything into account of what happened last week. I I would put this into an example of what we saw with Kevin Na a couple years ago. He goes to the Century Tournament of Champions. He comes in nearly dead last place. He goes and he plays the Sony Open and he wins. I I just don't think there's a corollary connection that we can pinpoint between these two properties. So, look, I think if a guy played, it obviously hurts that they got or helps that they got rid of some of the cobwebs from their game. Um, you know, I want to throw this out there. I don't think anybody's going to take him. And I've heard a lot of negatives in the space of why he might not even be playing this week. But I think Billy Horschel is a really good example of exactly what I'm talking about there to where, look, I've heard that he didn't say that he might not play the tournament. He might go home, throw that aside. If he plays this tournament, it's the Kevin not mold that I'm trying to find. Now I'm not going to pick him. And I'm not going to take the next player that I'll also tip another name here, which I'm probably saying too much. But when we look at actual win equity from this tournament, uh, number one or two, no matter how you want to shake it, ends up being Tom Kim and Sung JM. And that's pretty much across the space at all books that you want to look at pricing and all movement. The third guy who has quickly skyrocketed up every single list would be Brian Harmon. He's a favorite in head-to-head matchups against Jordan Spieth. He's a favorite in head-to-head matchups in all the places that I'm looking at. I'm also not going to take him. I'm going to go a little bit different here since I already have a lot of popularity with Sungjae. I'm going to go a little bit lower than that, and I'm going to take Keegan Bradley at 9,300. This is a golfer if we're talking about team no putt. You could put him as one of the captains of that. Three top 29 finishes at this course over the past three years, including two inside the top 12. When I look at the ball striking metrics, they're stout across the board. He's eighth in my model in strokes gain total over a two-year sample size. And I think this is just a really good course for him for why he can find success. I, I might regret not taking Brian Harmon here. And with the way that I've built this, I really can't afford to go that route anymore. It's kind of one of the reasons why I threw out all those players. And maybe I'm self-sabotaging by doing that. But uh, I'm going to go with Bradley and trust my model since he was the highest ranked of the mix there. I like Keegan. I actually liked him last week and I played him a lot in DFS and he was obviously pretty disappointing for me. But again, I'm, I'm not really concerned about last week, really. I, I kind of I think I mentioned Keegan as, as a poor man's Corey Connors uh, just la- yesterday. And, and I think that's true. And I think he's a really interesting pivot off some more popular names in that 9K range. So I, I personally don't have skinny Keegan, Carmen says. Yeah, he's skinny. Say, Carmen mentioned skinny Keegan. Did you see how much weight Keegan lost? Yeah. I mean, he looks good. Lee Keegan's in shape. Is it going to help his golf game? To be determined. <laughs> exactly. All <laughs> right, team Team audience, we can start with nominations. We have a couple in. Uh, looks like David Bileski, who is, is co-captain of this audience team with me, has Russell Henley in his sights. Any seconds for Russell Henley? I mean, I'll go ahead and second it. I, I'm, I'm not one to question... Uh, of all people, David Bileski. So uh, let's go with Russell Henley for one of our picks. Since we can't take Svensson anymore, I, I don't really care at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm mailing it in at this point. So we got Austin Cook nomination from, from Byron. Interesting. Ivan with Brian Harmon. Oh, Dave, uh, for my heart, Will Gordon. I, I want to get everybody's thoughts on Will Gordon because I, I always love Will Gordon. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I want to second him. Yeah, let's go ahead. And, well, I'll wait. We can second Harmon or we can second uh, Will Gordon. It's up to you all. All right, Stephen, he says, Gordon, Will Gordon's going to be our guy. 
I, I'm a Will Gordon guy, everybody. And I, I just don't know if I'm kind of overplaying my hand. He's certainly an accurate driver. He's gained ball striking in eight out of the last nine uh, measured events, which is pretty impressive for a guy named Will Gordon, who most people just kind of their eyes scan past him as they look for their, their DFS darts. So I'm a fan. The putter's a question, but on this course, I think he can get hot with the putter. Um, Spencer, let me go to you. Any thoughts on Will Gordon here? Uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, I'm probably not going to have him in my player pool this week. He's negative trajectory in pretty much every way that I look. Now, I will say this. If I'm trying to run this purely for upside and nothing else, sure. I mean, maybe that's like MME type builds where you're shooting for the moon here on a guy who's sub 7%, but he's probably not for me this week. And Jason, can I ask you, whether you want to comment on Henley or Gordon, either of those two guys, you know, somebody that you might put in a DFS lineup. I feel about the same way as Spencer on Gordon. I'm probably saving him for weeks when driver is more of an asset. Henley, I love this week. Henley is a guy that all of my one and done pools where you have to make the picks before the season starts. I have Henley locked into all of them. He scared me off a little last week, which doesn't make any sense because I just said five minutes ago, don't worry what they shot last week. It doesn't matter. They just shook off the cobwebs. I like Henley this week. I feel like a lot of people are on Henley. We'll see what happens. I, but I, I do have some shares of Henley this week in a few different places. Fair enough. Joel, any comments on either of these two guys, any of them in your player pool? Yeah, I like Henley a lot. I think for a lot of the reasons we mentioned, I think the course sets up really well for him. Uh, and it should help you if you – you'll be different, right? There's a lot of guys playing these stars and scrubs and playing a lot of the other guys at the top. So uh, I like Henley a lot for that reason. And I also like Will Gordon. Um, not, not quite as much, but I probably will have a share or two of him by the end of the week. All right. Spencer, your pick. Well, I'll touch on the Russell Henley pick and get into my next selection. So there's five players in this tournament that graded it inside the top 30 in all six categories that I ran this week. One is Corey Connors. This is in no particular order. Two is Russell Henley. Three is Tom Kim. Uh, four is Sung JM. Five is going to be my play here, Alex Smalley. I have been a very big advocate of Smalley during the offseason that the first time you give this guy a par 70 venue, his upside is through the roof. We see that with par five scoring being one of his biggest liabilities when you run through the numbers. And even when you look at this tournament in particular, which I decided to attach some of the weights for par five scoring, he jumps from 56th overall. And by the way, this is through only two holes. Like you already are going to get the reduction. That's already been weighted into my model here. But he, he goes from 56 overall in par five birdie or better percentage to 11th for this particular course. It likes his proximity ranges he's going to be finding into these greens. It likes his total driving that he's going to have here. I think Smalley is one of those boomer bust candidates that I do worry a little bit about the 13%. But if you tell me he wins the tournament, I'm not going to be shocked. And if we're just talking about form entering this week, I mean, it's him. It's Brian Harmon. It's, uh, I mean, JJ Spawn's been hot. There's only so many players that have continued, obviously Tom Kim, but uh, Smalley has a fifth at the RSM, a fourth at the Houston Open, and an 11th at the Bermuda Championship. I know we've had a little bit of a layoff at this point, but I'm going to keep rolling with the form and the upside that my model seems to like with him this week. Uh, I think we yes. might have lost to you. Um, I think so. I think I shocked no him with the pick. <laughs> see, see the self said he left. Uh, but that's okay. See, we'll be back before their next pick. Jason, you're on the clock. 
And while before All right. you do, you have, a, you have a thought on the Smalley pick. Uh, I like everything that Spencer said there. I like Alex Smalley overall long-term. I hadn't really thought much about him this week. He's a guy that I'm going to look into a little bit more after hearing that and think about playing him in some lineups because, uh, like I said, hadn't really considered him a whole lot, quite frankly. But he's a guy, he's a guy that almost on a smaller scale of Maverick McNeely, he's a guy with the high floor, maybe not so high ceiling yet, this uh, early stage in his career, but I do think he's a guy that shows up on a fairly frequent basis. So for cash games, I think he makes a whole lot of sense. All right. I'm going to go to a guy that I'm probably way too early on this. I probably could wait two rounds and still get him. Cause I don't think anyone else is going to take him. but he's a really nice price. He opens up my lineup to have some, uh, some more high price guys in uh, over the last couple of rounds. David mentioned in the chat just a little while ago that only Augusta national has course history uh, more important than while I hear at the Sony open Ryan Palmer is a past champion. He's got 12 made cuts in 16 career starts 12th last year. I spoke with him on the phone for our radio show last week. He was actually out playing golf. He said, man, I'm in my 20th year on the PGA tour. I love golf about playing with my son hanging out. I still love playing, still love competing. Can't wait to get out there. I love his enthusiasm, love his attitude. And I love the fact that he usually plays really well here on a regular basis. So 7,100 is a really good price for Ryan Palmer. I love Ryan Palmer. And I didn't expect, I don't, I don't mean to say I love him for this tournament. I just love him in general. Um, and he just hasn't really been there for us as of late. I think this is a really clever pick. I don't think anybody's going to play Ryan Palmer this week. I wouldn't think so. Uh, I would think he's, you know, under 5% owned yeah, and maybe sure. even less than that this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, again, when you're looking for, there's so many guys up near the top. I mean, we've picked how many guys that are 9,000 or above so far that you're looking for some of these guys in the sixes or low sevens. I think Ryan Palmer is a nice little transition off of that. Yeah, and certainly no stranger to getting red hot. It's just a matter if you catch him at the right time. But you could say that for pretty much every golfer in like, say like seventy five hundred and, and lower. For you know, so I, I like that. I think that's I think that's great. Dave says that's that's a really sharp play. I totally agree. Speaking of sharp, Joel, do you got any sharp plays for us? Because you got back to back picks. I do. I got one. So my first pick, I'm going to take. I'm going to go in the same vein here as you, Jason. I'm going to take a safer play. It's more of a cash play than it would be a tournament play. But this is a guy that I think has, has a really good chance to at least get you a top 30, and that's Russell Knox. Uh, he's an elite ball striker here. You know, one of the better ones, better ball strikers in the field. He has a great course history, or I, I won't say great. Let's go back to good. His last time coming here last year, he did get a top 10 and tied for seven. So, you know, I, I guess I should think about it. There is some upside, too. But I do feel like he's safe. You know, a lot of his finishes are in the 20s. And he, the, his last two finishes were T21 and T27. And I think that's kind of what you can expect from him here. Um, at 7,200, it's just a great price tag where we are struggling to find some value. I think he's one where I can go to with some confidence. And then I'm going to follow that up with, I'm really deciding between two guys here that I really like, and I can't afford both. So I got to make a decision. I'm going to, I'm going to take Jason's advice with taking the guy that played last week, right? He's played last week. The rust is off. He should be ready to go here. And that's going to be JJ Spawn. Uh, I like the way he's looked. I think his game has really been on an upward trajectory. He played well last week. Um, this is another spot where at 8,400, I think he has enough upside to get us a, a top 10 as well. I, I like both of those picks quite a bit. I really like Russell Knox. I think that's tremendous value. His approach game has been awesome. He's a great wedge player. The putter has been really good for him as well. 
Um, I think that's, I just think that's so sneaky. I, I just, I really think Russell Knox could be 7,600 and we'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. He could be 7,700 and we'd be like, okay, yeah, that seems fair. So I think you're getting tremendous value there at, at you know, relatively low ownership. Um, Spencer, let me ask you, and then Jason, it's your pick, but I'm going to, I'm going to lob another question, a non-golf related question your way. Spencer, either of those two guys, Knox or Spawn, are, are they in your player pool? I'm worried about the ownership around Knox. I have to be honest. I wish he would have been 8,500. That would have made this to where like my model still thought he was a value there. Um, JJ Spawn has the form that he's bringing into this week. Like it's hard to argue against anybody that played last week that looked good. And the only negative would be that he has three missed cuts here. If we want to talk about course history, but I was a little frustrated with the Russell Knox pricing at the end of the day. I think it's just had way too much ownership come in that direction where we could have easily avoided that, unfortunately. Yeah, I didn't realize the ownership was was extreme. It's pretty high for a 7K guy. Low 7K I mean, guy. I'm seeing him trending more into the 15% range by oh, the wow. second. So, I mean, that's like a top 10 guy in this tournament, which, look, I mean, the course history looks good. He has a seventh the last time he's played this. But uh, I just think the mispricing kind of bit us on this one a little bit. Okay, Jason, before you make your second to last pick, rank the following Female vocalists by voice. Okay. Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Whitney Houston. I'm going to go Whitney, Mariah, Christina. I thought you were going to say that. See, I want to make an argument for Christina. I think her voice is so dynamic, but I, I know that's a losing argument. I think you answered it correctly. I just yeah, want to... I want to spearhead team uh, Christina Aguilera. We got to go back if and you, listen to her, her good stuff, her old stuff. If you had given me a list of like a thousand questions that could be asked right there, I wouldn't have gotten <laughs> right what you were going to ask me. Exactly. And that was the whole point, right? Good. All right. But you answered it right. So good for you. You, you, know, your, right. you know your female vocalists. Um, right. Let's go. We got, we got two more picks for you. What's going to be this one? So, guys, I'm going to admit that I like Cam Davis so much that I don't even like him that much this week, and I'm still going to take him because he's just that damn good. He is way better than some of these players. I mean, look, I like KH Lee. He's a nice player. Cam, Cam Davis being $200 uh, uh, less expensive than him, that's ridiculous. He, he's underneath a Billy Horschel right now. I get why. I'm telling you, Cam Davis is, I think I just checked, 73rd in the world right now. Uh, let's see. 73rd in the world right now. He is going to be top 25 in the world by the time this year is up. I'm He is that good, that talented. Again, there are going to be a lot of other places I like him better than the Sony, but I just like him so much, and he's he's good enough that I'm going to take him at the Sony anyway. So I'm mocking in Cam Davis at 8,500, which, guys, they're going to be maybe majors, at least designated elevated events on the PGA Tour with a lot of big names where he won't be this cheap later in the year. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Cam Davis will be making an appearance from one of us at the end of the show. If we didn't take Russell Henley, I, I can tell you right now, I was going to lobby for Cameron Davis. So I, I love this pick. Joel, do you love this pick as much as Jason and I do? Yeah, I'm, I'm in on Cam Davis. I think for the reasons you said, right, maybe not like the perfect fit in terms of golf course fit and his game, but I agree. He's just a better golfer than the price tag. And just to get the better golfer on your team and a guy who you know has a chance to win the tournament, I think it's a good pick. And Spencer, before we get to your pick, I mean, I would imagine a lot of people like Cameron Davis. Is his ownership sort of in that mid-range or is it trending a little high at this point? 17.2%, the sixth highest 
owned guy on the board. Okay, that makes sense. Fair enough. Uh, you do you agree that he has some win equity here? Uh, yeah, I mean he has win equity, and and what I really agree with with what Jason said, I I think this guy's potential is through the limit, or through the this limit his potential is through the sky at this point. Like he has limitless potential, is I guess the better way of what I was trying to say. There. I thought through the limit sounded kind of cool. I was willing to go with it. I'm just like you know, he's a top twenty five golfer from an intangible sense, and I think that that's like what's most important when we're trying to find win equity in a tournament where in the $8,000 range, he's probably better than where he's going to be priced here. Now, the one thing I'll say is I don't know if I love this course for him with that also being said, we've seen good success here, three top 31 finishes. So it's like, you can go in both directions of what you like and what you don't like, but he's proven that he can actually play here. And sometimes when he clubs down and he needs to find fairways, he's actually been a better golfer than these bomb and gouge places, which kind of blows my mind at the end of the day. But he kind of reverses the splits of what you would expect. Yeah. I love it. And I love the, the, the knowledge David is dropping in the chats. Like if you, if you can go back and if you're just listening to us and you're not reading the comments, um, I would really strongly suggest you read everything from everybody, but including uh, David Bileski, who's dropping all kinds of stuff down here. Spencer, it's your pick. You got two picks to go. Who's your fifth pick. I don't like what I've done with my team here. There was a route I wanted to go. First of all, I would have loved to have had Keith Mitchell on my team. Once that like kind of went off the board, this was a much more difficult route to try to go through. I obviously would have also liked to have found a way to get to Harmon and Horschel. I think those are two guys that are going to be really good this week. There's only so many routes I can go because if I want to get up to a guy like... I, I guess we'll just give away the whole game plan here. Like if I go up to Emiliano Grio, I'm going down to Lucas Glover and that sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. I don't know if I want no, it doesn't. Keegan, well, Keegan Bradley, Lucas Glover, Emiliano Grio together. That sounds like a train wreck. Lucas Glover was great here last year and he gained almost 10 strokes on approach. I feel like if there was a Lucas Glover course, it could very well be this one. I like Lucas Glover. He's going to be in my player pool. I just don't know if I like him with this general construction that I have right now. So um, I'm going to go with Brendan Todd at 7,400. Don't know if I love the play. If I had the full board at my like disposal here, he's not the first player that I'm rushing into my build. Now, the course history is fine with a 48th, a 41st, and a 21st. You could say that the recent form might not be exactly what you want with a miscut in a 53rd, but when you think of short positional strategical courses, Brendan Todd's name is always one of the first one that pops up in that respect. So look, it's not really the player that I would have wanted at the end of the day, but I think that this makes the most sense rather than, you know, trying to go up into the $8,000 range and then having to drop down into the 6,000s, which actually I am trying to avoid this week if I can. All right. I like it. Solid pick. And now the audience, we can start nominating. Uh, looks like we have some questions about Webb Simpson. Yes, Webb Simpson is playing, Edward. Um, and he is 7,400, Ryan. That, that is also accurate. We've got, so we have 7,350 left. So we got to figure out how we want to play this. Um, we can take a 6K guy and then see what we have left. Or, or maybe we should start with, if you like an 8K guy, I would suggest nominating him. And then we could go down to the 6K range. But of course, we can settle in the sevens as well. There's plenty of talent there. But keep in mind how much money we have left. And we have two nominations to make. Um, oh, that's interesting. So Byron has a, a couple of guys. I'll just mention them because we only have so many picks left. But Brandon Steele and Patton Kazire. I think Kazire is pretty interesting. 
personally. He's coming in just with basically terrible form, but he's been good here. He's, he's no stranger to being good on in birdie fests. It's a big risk, but I, I don't mind him. David Bileski recommending Zach Blair, who came up on my on Twitter yesterday for me. Do we have any seconds for any of these guys? Kurt Kitayama, Brandon Steele, Patton Kazire, Nick Hardy, Webb. I don't know if that's an actual nomination. I, um, I just want to say this about Webb. I really <laughs> hope that somebody takes Webb to like try to make it so I can't go that route because I'm itching over here. I want to take Webb so badly. I've wanted to take Webb since the very first pick. So please remove that from the equation for me. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking for a second. So let me let me just go ahead and nominate somebody, and then we can see how much we have left. And I don't think I'm going to go Webb Simpson here. Um, I'm going to go with – I don't want to go with Chris Kirk either. Um, Zach Blair keeps coming up. I don't think I want to go there either. Let's go with – Kurt Kitayama got nominated twice. Yeah, let's go Kurt Kitayama. That I thought, Jason, you were going to draft him, right? I wasn't. Spencer talked me out of it. All right. Well, our, the audience has talked us into it. So we're going to see how that plays out. That'll be really interesting if he's like, yeah. you know, the guy who wins it for us. Uh, and I, I loved have, him. I loved, loved him all week until Spencer said no. Until Spencer <laughs> said no. That, that's going to come back to haunt you, Spencer. I have a good feeling about that. Okay. 7,000 left. So where does that leave us? Hopefully the audience is on top of this in terms of who we can nominate at 7K. And I'm looking at my, oh, 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 we're done. We're done because I am picking this person. I am, it's not going to be Robbie Shelton, David. I'm, I, I already went out a limb on a limb for Lucas Glover. And this is where I'm planting my flag. Lucas Glover is a flat 7K. And team audience's last pick will be none other than Lucas Glover. I already told you why I liked him before. Uh, fits nicely into this lineup. I don't think there'll be much ownership. Uh, I love it. Lucas Glover, when we look from a, a numerical perspective when we run the numbers, like when I take my ranking, we compare it to his DraftKings price tag. Technically, he's the most mispriced player on the board, according to that. Now, I have my concerns with the putter, but look, he should be in the player pool of if you're if you're making enough rosters, he should be in the player pool. I'll just leave it at that and drop it there. All right. I, See, I, you I, mentioned a lot of people are lobbying for Zach Blair. I've heard some Zach Blair love this week. I don't understand it whatsoever. Maybe it's just the folks that are buying fake merchandise from his fake golf club. Uh, I don't know, but a lot of people like Zach Blair this week. Uh, prove me wrong, I guess. I don't know the fake golf club story. Is this something we want to dive into or leave it for another day? It's out there. It's oh, out fair there. enough. Okay. So that's a good well, we're Google search away from that. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, can we vote see you off audience island? No, you cannot. Good question, though. Spencer, last pick. However, I will say we might be looking into some tampering rules. Spencer might be looking at a fine. He talked somebody out of a pick. He convinced you guys to take Webb Simpson. Questionable behavior tonight. Yeah. And then he table talked Lucas Glover into the audience's uh, whatever. And uh, now we have Lucas Glover. So that's very interesting how this all panned out. Spencer, who's your last pick? Well, I won last year in this. I'm now in last place to start this season. I'm bringing out the whole bag of tricks to try to get back on track. Um, Man, I really want to take Webb Simpson. Do it. it it's, it's either Webb Simpson or Justin Suh. So the thing I like about Justin Suh is, at least from what I've always heard about him, and maybe, Jason, you can elaborate on this a little bit, I've always heard him compared to a speed like putter on the greens that if you give him distance on a putt, he's draining putts. Like all his college coaches have always said that uh, he's a player that can make from any distance. Uh, any thoughts on that? 
that's not something I had heard before. I know he was really good on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, obviously. He's one of these guys that kind of got lost in the mix. Remember, he turned pro alongside Colin Morikawa, Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland. He was the other guy and sort of got pushed aside when those other guys became superstars nearly immediately. And he's, he's kind of had to battle his way back. And I, I like his career trajectory at this point, and I think he's going to be good for a long time. Hadn't heard that about his putting before, but uh, I would say that that's probably a negative in a place where they have smaller greens than most other sure. courses. Sure. I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, Webb Simpson. That, that's all I need to hear. If it's not I like what it. I love, Justin, so I'm taking Webb Simpson. I, I like the Webb Simpson call. I do. Jason, real quick, before you make your last pick, and so we're, just so everybody knows, Jason's going to make his pick, Joel's going to make his pick, and then we're going to do our first-round leaders, and, and we're going to get out of here. Jason, if you don't have any first-round leaders, that's totally fine if you do. That's great, too. But I real do. quick, I, like I want to make sure, because we – what say it in, you do? I got like 20 of them, of course. I just didn't know if you were like ready, like ready for this particular show, for this yeah, moment, like but clearly you yes. are. Okay. Um, one question for you, because we have a lot of people watching right now, and if you haven't already hit the like button, please hit it. But – can you just tell us, you have so much content everywhere, and obviously Action Network is, is a big space for you. What do you got coming up maybe that some of us can look oh forward to that maybe you want to promote? I know it's a I, lot of stuff. Maybe you just pick out some bold-faced some things. Can, can I just pick up my schedule here and just, like, put my schedule up on the screen? I, I mean, I've got – so let's see. It starts on Monday, right, the preview for the Action Network. So we've got written content at the Action Network every single week. I do a podcast called Links and Locks. We do our best bets every single week there. And then, of course, I do the gimme with Roberto Arguello every Wednesday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. I do a segment for DraftKings on their show every single Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, let's see, what do I have tomorrow? Oh, tomorrow I've got Green Dot Daily for the Action Network, our uh, show at noon Eastern time every day. I'm going to co-host Gravy in the Sleaze with my buddy Drew Stoltz. And because my voice is so good right now, I'm going to do two hours back-to-back. So I'm going to do my show hitting the green on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio as well. So I don't know. It's a whole lot of stuff. Probably explains why I have no voice left and can't talk. Or we Your do. best bet. Your best bet is to follow Jason Sobel because I assume you tweet out a lot of where your content is. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Once in a while. Jason, again, I know the show's not over, but thanks again for joining us. Um, your content is awesome. You are like such a big person in this space in on twitter in general in my opinion but also in the golf space so we appreciate you but we want to beat you and so we hope your last pick is awful what is it all right so i've got 8200 left i'm looking at christian bezayden who's at 8100 i tend to like him when the score is closer in relation to par he's sort of like a mini matt fitzpatrick to me he's a guy that can get up and down from everywhere really good short game i'm not sure he's the guy that's going to go throw up 465 66 is in a row. All right, pass it Uh, could turn into a putting fest. Best putter in the world sitting there at 7,900. Denny McCarthy wasn't playing his best golf at the end of 2022. I like it. I'm close, not going there. 7,700. I tell you what, I would lock in Kurt Kitayama right now if he hadn't been taken after I was talked out of him earlier. So I'm going all the way down to 7,500 a guy that I'm probably admittedly too bullish on. Look, I talked about being bullish on Cam Davis throughout the year. Really like him. But I'm a little too bullish on Nick Hardy. I just think this kid's going to be really good for a really long time. Spoke with him on the radio show not that long ago, and he's just tee to green, really solid. He's worked on the short game, worked on the putting. I think Hardy's a really good player. Leaving 700 on the table, 
but Hardy at 7,500. I, I like Nick Hardy in general. I mean, I, I don't know how much I'm playing him this week. I haven't really decided, but I think Nick Hardy, I think you're right, Jason. I think he has a ton of potential. Joel, is Nick Hardy anywhere near your player pool this, this week? Yeah, I think I think he is kind of where we took him, where he's a guy that's, you know, on the outside looking in, but someone I'll consider who I think does have some upside if he has a hot week, could be someone at 7,500, could be a great value. All right. Joel, you get to close out the PGA DraftCast for the SUNY Open. Who is the final pick? Who is Mr. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant? <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to finish this draft off with Matt Kuchar. Uh, I'm actually glad he fell to me here with this pick. This is a guy who, if we're thinking about a course where history means a lot, he's got a great course history. He was tied for seventh last year. He won this tournament back in 2019. And this is a guy who, who I feel like his game is back on an upswing. I mean, he's an older golfer, but he's been playing well. His, his ball striking has been good. Um, and this is the type of tournament that should suit him where, you know, he doesn't have to face the likes of Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa and John Rahm. And, you know, he could really show a, a better finish in, in what is probably a weaker field. Yeah, I think I think Kuchar is a good play. Spencer, how do you feel about Matt this week? He's... I don't know. He's probably not going to be in my player pool. I, I, I understand the reasoning for why Joel said it, but uh, there's just too many negatives that I can find when I run my numbers. Jason, any thoughts on Matt Kuchar this week? Yeah, I don't love it. I think Matty was trending in the right direction towards the end of 2022. It's just sort of, he's an F for me. I mean, I, I look at him somewhere in the, you know, if, if again, as a cash game play, you can finish in 26. 32nd place this week. I think that's probably about what I'm looking at. I think that's fair. All right. All right. Well, before we wrap this up, you know, as Spencer said, go ahead and hit the like button. Give us a follow. It goes a long way. We're also going to drop these lineups on Twitter. Let us know what team you think is going to win, who you like the most. Will we be tracking back to crown the champion like we always do? Before we move on from here, though, we, we, a segment we used to do, we'll bring back for tonight, because there's one I really want to mention, and that is, who are you surprised did not get drafted? Um, I'll go first, because there's someone I was really surprised, and I won on my team, didn't get it to work out for me, and that's Siwoo Kim. I think Siwoo Kim is someone who he definitely has some upside here this week, uh, and, and a really good price at, at only 8200 Um, How about you, Jason? Anyone you were surprised didn't get taken? We didn't even mention the name Jordan Spieth yeah. after talking about all these guys who played last week. And we talk about this golf course. Hey, you got to get up and down and you got to keep your ball. Play. Uh, not even the name Jordan Spieth came up the entire time. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying a little surprising. We didn't even talk about him. That's a good point. That's a good one. How about you, Spence? Anyone you're surprised about? I think Jordan Spieth is one of the better contrarian targets on the board for DFS. So I'll just kind of double down on that stance, but I am shocked Brian Harmon did not get yeah. picked. Mm -hmm. Like that beyond shocked. Like that's about as shocked as I've ever been on a show that a player did not get picked in the two years that I've done this with you guys. That's fair. That's fair. How about you, Sia? You know, I'm a little surprised. Um, let's see. Danny Lee didn't get picked or Chesson Hadley. No, I'm kidding. I actually kind of like both of them. I'm surprised Kyle day. Stanley didn't get picked by you. Yes, of course. But no, seriously, I think it is um, – I was going to say what Spencer said, but I'll go with Taylor Montgomery only because I'm hearing a lot of like industry insiders really liking Taylor Montgomery. He's actually not going to be in my player pool this particular week. I do love his potential just in general. The finishing positions as of late have been really kind of unbelievable. But for me, I'm probably not going to be on Taylor Montgomery this week. Nonetheless, I just assumed somebody was going to draft Taylor Montgomery. 
There you have it. And, and I just feel like we just have to mention Hideki Matsuyama as well. I mean, he could yeah. easily win this tournament. The fact that he went on, just want his name mentioned. But that's a wrap for the draft. We're not done yet. We do have our first round leaders. Before we let you go for tonight, I'm going to take the draft board down. Um, Spencer, do you want to kick us off in the first round leader market? Sure, I'll, I'll kick us off here. And before I give these picks, you know, I work really hard in this space, so I can say this comment. There is nobody that works harder than Jason. If there were a Mount Rushmore of names in the space and you told me to, who would I put at the top of it? Jason, you would be at the top of my list. So uh, I know I speak for all of us when I say I am very appreciative that you joined us again for the second time on this show. I am going to give eight first round leaders. Siwoo Kim, 60 to one. Mark Hubbard, 130 to one. Tom Hoagie, 45 to one. JJ Spawn, 65 to one. Alex Smalley, 65 to one. Emiliano Grio, 65 to one. Lucas Glover, 150 to one. And Justin Suh, 110 to one. That makes up 0.32 units with the way I spread all those names out. There you right. have it. I love wow. it. A, that's a great that's the most game. you've ever given. Yeah, Jason's on this. We have to go all out. Spencer, by the way, thank you for those kind words. I didn't want to let those go uh, unnoticed. So I, I appreciate that. That's really nice of you to say. And Jason, why don't you go ahead and follow us up? Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? Okay, so here's the problem that I run into. I mentioned how I, I file my weekly preview that's about 3,000 3, words. I try to hit every category because I, I, I like being inclusive to everybody. There are people out there that just bet outrights. Hey, here's a couple outrights for you. There are people that just play DFS, people in one-and-done pools. I want to give a little something to everybody. Sure, there's going to be overlap, as you guys know. If I'm picking Corey Connors as my favorite outright, yeah, I probably like him in a DFS lineup as well. But... I'm trying to give a little something to everyone. That said, I put first round leader picks in my column every week. And of course, the tea times aren't out yet. This one, I think, is certainly favored to the morning tea times, as most of them are. You guys, Spencer, you've probably done the research on it. I'm guessing, what, 65% of first round leaders are morning tea times? Am I anywhere close? It's I don't have more. it up in front of me. I can get you the data from that. But yeah, I mean, the morning tea times when you get a softer course with the easier conditions, I mean, more often than not, that's how I'm looking at the first round leader market is find me those early morning tea time guys. Exactly. So uh, long-winded point is that I had CH Kim, SH Kim, excuse me, as my first round leader this week in eight events so far this season, he shot 68 or better on Thursdays five times. I just went and looked, tea times are out. He's got a 1.40 p.m. tee time on Thursday. So I don't love that. One other guy from the afternoon wave. I mentioned him during the DFS portion. Danny McCarthy played this last year, finished in the 40s, but had a round of 64 and a round of 66. So I'll throw him on there just as an early afternoon play. And then three morning guys. Adam Svensson, been there, done that. He's been first-round leader a few years ago. He's in the morning. Andrew Putnam. Another guy that I think can go low in a hurry. And then one of my favorite first-round leader plays, if you're just throwing one out there, Kelly Craft every once in a while throws up a good number out of nowhere. I think Kelly Craft can have a little bit of a bounce-back season. Hey, maybe it starts this week. Yeah, I seem to recall Kelly Craft, when we were getting close to the FedEx Cup playoffs just this last year, was starting to play a little bit better golf. Yeah. Um, I did. I definitely think he's got some potential. I like that. Joel, what about the first round leaders for you? I love it. I love it. So for me, um, I have a few more favorites I like and one long shot that we're going to go for. We're going to swing for the fences. So I'll start with 
Adam Svensson at 80 to 1. Um, I really like Siwoo Kim at 60 to 1. Uh, more in the favorite train, the more realistic numbers. Um, I can't get away from Tom Kim and Sung Jam. I think these two are far and away the favorites. No one loves taking the favorites in a first round leader bet. But the fact that you're still getting 25 and 28 to 1 is still a pretty good number for those two guys. So anything under 20, I just don't think it's worth as betting. But still at the 25 and 28 numbers, I think those are still good bets to make. But my home run of the week, the swing for the fence shot at a ridiculous 150 to 1. That we've talked about on the show. See, you like Lucas Glover. Yeah. Well, Spencer has him too, right? Spencer, you yeah. mentioned Lucas Glover. Yeah. I think that that's like the optimal way to play Lucas Glover this week. Agree. Play him in showdown too. Uh, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm team Lucas Glover here. So I'm, I'm just going to go like, I'm going to give out five picks and it's, it's going to be overlap every single one of these picks. Oh, that's not true. Only three of them were mentioned by one of you three. So th- to the extent we have like, well, eight here, five here, three here, like a lot of these are like really overlap. So we really collectively only have so many, but one, I really like, it's going to be my, my easy button play of the day. Jason, it's a little bit we do where uh, last year we started doing the, the easy button first round leader. It's a bit of course, because like the first round leader, there's no easy button, obviously. Well, here's mm-hmm. the thing. The bit became reality and we started hitting these things at a rate that is, like- I know you did obnoxious it doesn't even make any sense so you know as much pride as we want like we take pride in it of course but it's just crazy so we're trying to continue this streak a little bit um and so thanks for noticing by the way but here's here's the five that i have and i'm going to adopt lucas glover he's not one of my five i I love that pick at 151 of course give me cam davis at 50 to 1 give me putnam at 65 to 1 let me backtrack let's go mav mcneely at 55 to 1 then when do you go Patton Kazire at 91? I don't really love Patton Kazire for four rounds, but I like him in the first round. So I got Cam, Mav, Putnam, Kazire, and Joel, are you ready? The easy button play. This is so cool because this was unexpected. The easy button play that you should mortgage your home and second mortgage your home on, borrow money from your friends, and put it on this guy at 80 to 1, not just because I like him, but because apparently – this entire show likes him, not just for DFS, but in the first round leader market. It's none other than Adam Svensson. You're welcome, everybody. It's that easy. <sighs> no sound effects. We'll work I don't on know that. We're supposed to have sound effects. <laughs> That's it. But there you have it. It's a wrap. See, it typically hits about two to three first round leaders a week. So one of those is for sure a sure thing. Cash in. You're going to be upset if you don't. Good luck this week. But a big, big, big special thank you to Jason for coming on with us and directing tonight. Uh, While we really, really loved your presence, I do apologize in advance for whooping your butt in the draft. Stop it. Stop. (laughs) Easy money against your boys. (laughs) I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I I no doubt have the win this week. Absolutely going to take you guys down. But seriously, anytime you guys want to do this, this is a blast for me. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Jason, we uh, very much appreciate the time. Uh, I do want to close the show. By the way, go to windailysports.com, type in win big or green, and you'll get a week of WinDaily for free. It's $5.99 per week for all of our sports, not just golf, literally every sport, Discord, projection models, optimizers, you name it, we have it. And uh, one last thing. Joel, what's Spencer, what's the one last thing again? I forget. Webb Simpson's going to win this tournament. Joel, what's the one last thing? Sports.